We have two scripture readings today. The first one comes from Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. It's page 635 in the uh, Bible. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of the, his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. Two, they covered their faces. Uh, two, they covered their feet. And two, they flew. Then one said to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices, as those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost. I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed from your sin, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Our second, our second scripture comes from John 3, 1 through 17. Um, I'm excited about it. We covered it a few days ago in youth group, or in Sunday school, and we even played pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of spirit, water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what, of, what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one can ascend into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whomever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but, to, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of God for the people of God. Do you remember Eeyore? You remember Eeyore, that forlorn donkey from the Winnie the Pooh series so effectively animated by the Walt Disney Studios. Eeyore is the one with the tail, you said you 
played pin the tail on the donkey, with the tail that is barely attached and keeps falling off. Eeyore is the donkey of the woeful countenance who moans his way through life, always expecting the short end of the stick to Eeyore. Life is a predictable series of deprivations. If life were a loaf of bread, Eeyore would expect the bottom crust. If Eeyore were a U.S. taxpayer, he would call the IRS and schedule his own audit. <laughs> Eeyore expects the worst, plans for the worst, and is never disappointed. As a character in a children's story, Eeyore is the embodiment of that flat, low-expectation, depressive personality that children often perceive in adults. As a cartoon character, Eeyore is funny for the exaggeration of the truth that he represents. Among all of the Winnie the Pooh characters, he is also, by the way, the most popular. What is the attraction of Eeyore? Do kids feel sorry for Eeyore? Or do they see themselves in Eeyore? What is this thing? Well, perhaps the attraction of Eeyore lies in our familiarity with the Eeyore spirit. Although I seldom encounter stuffed donkeys with tails falling off, I frequently encounter in others and in myself a woe-is-me kind of attitude. Woe is me, I couldn't possibly do that, I'm not smart enough. Woe is me, the truth, the church is on a steady decline. There's not enough parking, not enough people, not enough money. Woe is me, there's just nothing we can do about the problems of the world. We don't have enough power, nobody ever listens to us, we're just the little people. We don't count for much. In case you think I'm exaggerating, let me tell you about a conversation I once had with a colleague of mine, someone from another church who was talking to me about the problems that they were having in their music ministry. And we both agreed about how dynamic music program is essential in attracting people to the church and it enlivens and, and energizes the, the church service. We know the blessings of that every single Sunday. And my friend was seeking my opinion on how he might re-energize his music program. Well, I know a little bit about that, or at least I have opinions about that. I have opinions about everything. I'm always willing to share them. So, I said, well, maybe it's try time to try something new. I suggested that maybe he could put together a little orchestra among people that once played instruments and still have those instruments and might bring them out and dust them off and practice and do something with them again. I said, you know, what worked for me in one church like that was I put this little orchestra together and we did a Messiah sing-along 
the choir practice Messiah, but everybody who came in got a copy of, of the choruses and we all sang together. And everybody loved it. It enlivened our Advent season that particular year. Oh, he said, you can't be serious. It takes real money to put together an orchestra. Who will pay for it? Besides, Messiah is too difficult. The choir could never handle it. We can't do anything. We can't. We tried. It didn't work. No one will come. We can't afford it. He didn't, he didn't look like Eeyore. I didn't see a tail loosely pinned to his backside. But the spirit of Eeyore, right there in front of me. When you expect nothing, you almost always get what you expect. The best that can be said for the Eeyore syndrome is that no one is ever disappointed. Now, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that I believe this is the truth. I believe that the greatest manifestation of sinfulness in the contemporary church is expressed in that Eeyore mentality. I see it everywhere. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting other powerful expressions of sinfulness in this world. Deceit, abuse of power, violence, abdication of responsibility, tolerance of injustice and poverty. All of these are true manifestations of sinfulness in our world. We always should be working for their elimination in systems and in ourselves. But... All of us in the church need to work on the spirit with which we embody the gift that God has given us. Our sin as the people of God is not that we endorse those other things. We're always against that list of things. Deceit, abuse of power, violence, all of those things. It's easy to be against those things. But our sin is that we claim a definition of powerlessness for ourselves. And thereby we allow those things to continue. There's a place in the book of Romans that has spoken to my heart ever since I discovered it while I was in seminary. A place where Paul defines sin as anything that does not proceed from faith. He says it. That which does not proceed from faith is sin. Which means that any time we are living in this world motivated by something other than our faith in God through Jesus Christ, we are sinning. If my motivation is out of fear, if my motivation is out of anger or resentment, it is a sin. When we utter, woe is me, and then list all of the reasons why we are powerless to act as Christian disciples. We are, by Paul's definition, proceeding out of fear and not out of faith. As much as I love the character of Eeyore and as much as I'd like to hug him and tell him that everything will be okay, I will never accept Eeyore as a model for Christian discipleship. 
Well, apparently this is not a new problem. So consider the Isaiah passage that Stephanie has just read for us. Isaiah is retelling his experience of being called from his ordinary life out into the life of a prophet of Yahweh. It is a recollection of fantastic proportions, and he tells it with great flamboyance. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The room filled with smoke, the doors shaking on the hinges. This is not a light observance. Obviously, the experience of being called was not ordinary. And Isaiah goes on to describe the seraphs attending to the throne of God. Each had six wings, and they called out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the temple shook and filled with smoke. And what does Isaiah do? He takes on the voice of Eeyore. Woe is me, he says, for I am lost. I am just a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. The voice of Eeyore in the prophet Isaiah. Well, you could say that Isaiah was just showing proper deference in the presence of the Lord of hosts, but that would not explain the next action of the seraphs. One of the seraphs, in a vivid passage from the Old Testament, one of the seraphs takes a burning live coal using tongs and touches Eeyore, or touches Eeyore, yeah, touches Isaiah's lips. <laughs> It makes me cringe every time I read that passage. But the touching is not painful. The touching is cleansing. And the seraph says, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. The image seems clear to me. We need to be cleansed of our woe-is-me attitude. It is only after this cleansing that Isaiah becomes open to the call of God. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I praise God every day for the progress we have made in this congregation toward being a courageous, a courageous witness for Jesus Christ. When we were celebrating our 175th anniversary, I love that phrase that we used over and over again, 175 years of Christian witness. I'm constantly amazed at the ministry that goes on without my even knowing it around here. Those in this church who dedicate one or two days each and every week to working at the... At, Mid-City Nutrition or with Habitat for Humanity. Those who volunteer for mission trips without even telling me they've, they've gone. They're gone and back before I know about it. Some keep a steady schedule of visitation to our homebound and shut-ins. They're very faithful with that. 
and there's not an Eeyore voice among them. As a Christian witness, flowers have been planted in our yard and gardens tended because how we look to this neighborhood matters. And it speaks to the spirit in a neighborhood that would be depressed if it were not for that. This is a church that has lost its Eeyore voice, and I am grateful to God for that. And as a result, we are embracing the call that God has placed upon us, and it will be the thing I will tell people about my time here for as long as I live. What stops us from being God's people? Often it is our own preoccupation with our own weakness and our own sense that we cannot do it. What we have forgotten, what we must remember, is that the work of being God's people is God's work within us, not our work on our our own. Of course we are not worthy. Of course... There are not enough resources to get the job done. What else is new? Of course we are inadequate. But being God's people is an act of faith, not an act of competency or completeness. Take what we have. Offer it to God. It's a good message for our graduates, too. Don't keep waiting for the time when you have all the pieces you need to make an impact in the world. Trust that God will use you as you are equipped. And let God work through you to make an impact in this world. Woe is me. It's like an infection that we must cauterize. Cleansed of that, we open ourselves to the glorious presence of God. What do we need to be God's people? We need to have Eeyore within us transformed. Only then will we hear the voice of God calling. Only then will we hear the call and respond as did Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. Thanks be to God.